0: Hello to all our listeners, this is Franco and this is Complicating the Narrative. Greetings and welcome. This is Franco and today we're complicating the narrative again. This is the third episode and today we're interviewing Chef John Sedini. Chef John is speaking about meaning throughout his experience with cooking and with his life experience here at Whitman and his personal experience and what does that contribute to meaning of the dishes that he make in the kitchen and created the this meaning in his life so also what does this meaning mean in his personal life what does it mean in his journey and in his interaction with other culture with other cultures so today we're leaving you with chef john and the third interview of complicating the narrative we'll leave you to greetings and welcome this is franco and today we're complicating the narrative again this is the third episode and today we're interviewing chef john sadini chef john is speaking about meaning throughout his experience with cooking and with his life experience here at Whitman and his personal experience, and what does that contribute to meaning of the dishes that he make in the kitchen and created this meaning in his life. So also, what does this meaning mean in his personal life? What does it mean in his journey and in his interaction with other cultures? other cultures so today we're leaving you with Chef John and the third interview of complicating the narrative thank you for joining us today and thank you for giving us from your time, uh, to answer these questions and to be with us in the center of you. Um, starting with, um, what is your favorite book slash movie slash TV show? And I'll add to that slash dish because you're yeah. and why?
1: Yeah, that's so it's a hard one. Um, you know, it's always been hard to, to pin down like one favorite thing of all time. Um, uh, you know, and, and I find that as I as I grow older and, and as I have kids, you know, um, favorite movies change, right? So back when I was a young young chef and young bachelor, I would have told you something completely different than now. I say my current favorite TV show. I saw The Bear this summer, and I thought it was amazing. I thought it was pretty accurate to what it was like working in restaurants. Um, so I'm pretty high on that one right now. Uh, favorite movie? Gosh, I I mean, with my kids, I watch we watch Ratatouille, so I can understand like what you know. Kind of what Daddy does, but I don't cook with animals, and our kitchen's prettier than that one. Um, but also, I guess I, I, I've watched Frozen like a hundred times with my girls, so you know I, I've warmed up to that one. But uh, it, you know, classically grown up, like my favorite movies growing up were like Fight Club and Train Spotting and um, Shawshank Redemption. These movies that like challenged you um, to think a little differently. But uh, now that I'm in my adulthood, I guess I have a, I have a soft spot. those uh, those Disney films. Um, As far as favorite books, um, again, this is going to be a cliche answer, but there's uh, Anthony Bourdain's uh, Kitchen Confidential, which Mm -hmm. is a great book. I read it once a year. Uh, His autobiography of what it's like in the kitchen. One of my instructors at culinary school a while back uh, told us it's important to read that as a gut check. Um, And it's something I I read every year just because it's... uh, I used to read it to warn myself of how the career is like and now I read it to, to remind myself what I've gotten past and where I'm at now which is a great place um, yeah and favorite dish oof that's a hard one I mean I love food it's my life it's my passion so you know one of my favorite things to make is gnocchi so it's a potato dumpling um, you know my name is John Subini my last name's Italian my middle name's Mario so I was raised Italian on my dad's side of the family so uh, Northeastern Italian. So we were really into um, handmade pastas and handmade gnocchis and things like that. So to me, uh, some early memories I have as a kid is making gnocchi and with my mom. And so uh, I got really good at that. And during culinary school, when I was struggling with everything else, I was a pro at making pasta. because it was my comfort level being raised with that. Um, so that's my favorite thing to make. Favorite thing to eat? Uh, you know, there's these uh, – in Portland, there's this restaurant called La Pigeon. And there's this dish called beef cheek Bourguignon, and he changes it every year. And it's just a sous vide uh, braised beef cheek uh, with red wine, and it's a really classic dish, and that's probably my favorite thing. Although, again, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing I don't really like meat as much as I used to. So, I mean, I like it's really.
0: I find it really powerful and really interesting. Like when you like link, like the book that you like or the movie that you like, like with your life journey and. Like with, you know, like, you know, when you grow up and then, like you change your mind, like based on like the audience they're watching with you, or based on the people that like, you know, like you're watching with, it's like pretty interesting. Because like if someone asked me, like I'd be usually like be like, oh, it's this book because I just like like it. It was like I like that you, like from your, from your work, like found this connection to people, trying to to different people working with people, in the kitchen working with like students and then, like, also, like, with your kids at home and, like, trying to make these this connections and making like making it a valuable experience. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Um, if you could have a beer or a coffee uh, with anyone, living
1: or dead, uh, what would you drink and who would it be? This was a great question. This was actually one that stumped me because... Uh, you know, there was great people when I was early in my, in my life, like when I wanted to go to college, and I, was, uh, I used to write for my, high school, my school paper, and I was really into the theater and, and that kind of stuff. I was always working at restaurants in high school, but, you know, I had different ambitions back then. So some of the people I admired back then that I didn't know much about, um, you know, I would have said maybe Walt Whitman, or who I thought was an incredible writer, or Mark Twain, Um, But then as you learn more about them and you realize that they're very problematic people, that sure, maybe their writing was pretty good, but there's not much else that I wouldn't like to talk to them about at all. Um, So that's actually, you know, that's a hard question. Um, I've already met some really cool people that I've I've had, you know, coffee with that have inspired me. Um, I don't want to say Anthony Bourdain again, but, you know, I met him at a book signing when I was a young chef. Uh, I would love to have a beer with him. Uh, something like, Don't drink beer anymore, but I'd love to have a glass of wine with him someday and just chat. He's passed. Uh, a sad one to be my dad. You know, he passed away when I was young in my career. And um, you know, as I've become a parent since then and have and have kids and have established my career, and I see how hard it is to raise a family. That'd be a good one to sit back and have a coffee with and just ask him questions from a different perspective from parenting. You know, and how it balance you work him? life. <laughs> just. Uh, did I seem that ungrateful as a kid? <laughs> you because know, I see how hard it is now, and um, just advice and how to how to balance work life and, and you know time with your family, um, which I feel like you know at Bon Appetit we do really well because um, you know it's a great company to work for. But just you know how to how to make sure that the kids' needs are fulfilled, but at the same time don't spoil them too much. You know, I don't know. I just feel like um, when I was younger I had a different perspective than I do now. So it'd be great to just ask them, what was going through your head as you were raising us, you know? Because I feel like I can relate to that a lot more. Thank you for sharing that. Um,
0: from your work in the kitchen and work with different chefs and with the students, what, like, what did you learn about like approaching like different audience or working with different people and? Working through the differences based on your identity and your journey and your approach as well.
1: Sure, you know, as a when I was a younger chef, um, I guess it wasn't I'm not that old, <laughs> but when I was just becoming a, I first became an E.C. before I was executive chef before I was 21, and you know I was cocky and I thought I knew everything, and I, I proceeded to run a restaurant to the ground because I didn't listen to anyone, and so I learned a hard lesson early on that sometimes it's best just to shut up and listen. And, and that's something I've taken with me throughout my life. And is as I grow older and I get to know more people, um, I like to ask questions, but I love to listen. I love to hearing about experiences, and I love to understand. You know, again, as a young chef that has meat tattooed in my arms, um, when I went to Stanford, there was a lot more vegetarians than I'd ever worked with in my entire life. But just sitting down with some of the some of the vegan and vegetarian structures and just understanding what they're looking for and why and then just connecting empathetically to that and it just kind of opens your mind. But then it's other people's uh, dietary uh, preferences too, just kind of understanding where they're coming from. And um, yeah. Again, listening is just the most important thing I think anyone can do in their career is just take that second to try to understand people and have that connection with them so you can engage and, and experience and learn. You know, if we... If I ever get to that point where I don't think I can learn anything else cooking, I'm going to go become an electrician or something, you know. But I'm learning stuff every day. I'm learning stuff every year. Um, What's wonderful about Whitman in particular is that we have a a pretty amazing – I love the students here. I mean, hopefully it's obvious I love the students here. But they're funny. They're smart. They're caring. um, And there's so many people. There's a great international program here, so I get to talk to – everyone about what kind of food they like and how to make the food because, again, I know what I've had in restaurants and I could try to recreate that, but I want to create something real. Like, when someone comes to me and says, I haven't been home in a couple of years and I'm really missing this dish, can we make it? Yeah, show me how. <laughs> like, I want to make it right and I want to make that with respect. Even Chef Namal, my uh, chef de cuisine, he makes this dish called China Dal. It's, it's one of our signature dishes, especially because I love it so much, but... It's a dish that he, he and his mom would make together. It's a curry that they would make together when he was a little boy. And um, when he makes it, you can taste the love. Like, you can taste that care. And so, uh, you know, I think when we, when we listen to these stories and we find that connection, we can, we can proceed to, to show respect when we make that food. We're not going to always nail it or knock it out of the park. But I find every year we try a little harder and we, we learn a bit more. But as long as we listen. So would you say that your
0: connection to food and making food is the connection to a life journey and lessons that you've learned along the way?
1: Absolutely, a hundred percent. And I think that's something that's kept me engaged with cooking is just um, the personal touch. You know, when you feed someone you, you you change their day. You know, you can you can change their if you give someone a great meal, if they're having a bad day but they have a great meal that's made with love and you get that care from that dining experience, you can change their mood, you can change their day. Um, but I, I like going even further. Again, I hate bringing up Disney movies, but you know the end of Ratatouille uh, when uh, when the food critic has that dish and it reminds me of childhood. That that hit me as a, when I was younger too, because I was like, wow, that what a great way to connect with someone is by bringing up positive memories mm-hmm. and just. Um, but again, the only way we can get there is by listening and being open to, to learning those things.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Of this question is a bit... I don't know if you, if you want to answer it you or not. Know, but, like, what scares you and what gives you hope? What gives you joy? You can respond to it or you can...
1: Scare it's me. a hard one. It's, it's so many things scare me from the minute things that I shouldn't have phobias from, like, spiders. But maybe I shouldn't let everyone know that because then I'll start seeing spiders everywhere. But um, to just, you know... Again, when you're young, you feel like you're invincible. And, you know, I used to work... 140 hours a week, never sleeping. I was Iron Man as a young as a young chef, thinking I could survive. And then as you get older, your body starts wearing down. Like I told you, I hurt my shoulder last week. And, you know, that scares me that I don't feel invincible anymore. Um, it scares me that, you know, now that I have family, now that I have kids, um, that I'm not always going to be that, you know, something could happen to me that I'm not going to be able to provide for them. Uh, It scares me with having my kids, what's going on in the world always. there's always seems to be unrest and conflicts and wars. Um, Those kind of things definitely scare me because I feel like if we learned anything from this COVID-19 pandemic is that um, things can spread out of hand pretty quick if they're not handled properly. And even if they are handled properly, sometimes they're out of our hands. So those those things scare me. What gives me hope... um, you know, again, I, come from, I came from working at Stanford for seven years, and there are some very smart people at Stanford that were very inspiring. Uh, coming here and talking with the students at Whitman as we get through the COVID recovery together, uh, I'm inspired by how active the students here are, how open they are, how engaged they are with each other and learning. Um, that kind of stuff gives me hope because... When things are, are dark in the world, uh, we have young, wonderful people here that are planning on changing the world. Not trying, but they're actively, confidently planning on changing the world, and that's what gives me a lot of joy and hope.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that. This really, this is really inspiring and really powerful. And I guess also you answered like part of my <laughs> other question, which is like, you know, like how can I make a difference, or like why am I here? Like when you ask yourself these questions, that I guess like. You answered it like with giving people hope, with giving them like positive memories, and yeah. contributing to making a difference in the world. So thank you for sharing that. Of and um, you know, like what is something that you you mentioned like that you enjoyed a lot of stuff here at Whitman, but like what is something that like if you look back on it, oh, I love this about Whitman, oh, I, or I learned this during my time at Whitman?
1: Ooh, there's actually a lot I've learned at Whitman. So, I've, you know, I established my career very well before coming up here. I was an uh, exec, executive chef at the Stanford Graduate School of Business for over seven years, cooked for presidents and, and really important, really cool people. Uh, I established a good career. I worked at a restaurant that was um, shortlisted for a beard. Um, but coming here, I felt like, maybe I've grown the most um, which is you know there's at Stanford and these other places uh, a lot of my cooks were career cooks that have worked in the restaurants and when I came here most of my cooks had only worked here but they cared and they wanted to learn and they had their own way of being creative and they already had relationships with the students that were very positive or at least they wanted, had great intentions towards our students which is great Um, and so just learning how how to teach again and how to try to build something here that was pretty special it was fun i learned a lot more about last year we did this um great event last spring um learning african cuisine with the students where students from different regions of africa actually came into the kitchen and we helped them but they ran the show <laughs> you know me and chef them and uh, and jose and some of the guys really just supported their food but we learned so much about different regional flavors and how to go about the thought process of making uh just cuisine I've never made before, which was insanely uh, beautiful. Uh, Abed, last year, used to work in my kitchen. Um, you know Abed. He's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, we're not supposed to have favorites, but he's one of my favorites. <laughs> um, but every all the time, just him uh, constantly describing how he would make something or how he was raised making food, too, and just opening my mind to a whole new way of, of looking at food. One time, I know we were talking about before school, I about doing a a station together, about him, you know, off of one of his recipes. Um, We ran out of time, but also the recipe was very complex. And so I felt very humbled, and it was really a cool experience. But, you know, learning, really just being able to be close and engaged with the students here, I think, was was something I learned really well. You know, the graduate school at Stanford was just that a graduate school. So there were people that had finished their bachelor's working on their master's. that weren't necessarily living on campus as a community, right? They were living all over the place and coming to the school. Coming to this campus at Women, um, being able to connect with people who are their own bubble community, especially with all the COVID restrictions we had, really made the community, I think, really tight, in hindsight. You know, that was a silver lining to that, but just learning how to interact and um, finding out what they like and just try to, try to stay ahead. You know, whenever I see the comment cardboard, I try to get on it immediately and as soon as I can I try to answer that or learn about it or you know uh, just listen I really enjoy when, I, when I'm looking like at
0: the, the board and like looking at the feedback and then looking at your answers like this like leaves like a positive impact on me and you know I like I've been also working here like for the two years that I'm here at Whitman and this like you know like you, the interactions with you the interactions with other people here at Whitman like this, like, left a positive impact on me, and part of it is, like, why I'm interviewing you for this show, because, like, it's asking people about their experience, but, like, because they contributed to it, and, like, they're contributing to it in the community. So, thank you for for sharing that. Um, Last question, um, actually, the question before the last, you know, when you're working with different people, with different labels, as you said, like, students from Africa, or, like, uh, Abed, like, you know, when he's sharing, like, his food that he's growing up with, or, like, you know, where he's cooking even, like, food that is, like, for cultural or religious reasons or everything. Like, this, what what does that mean to you? Like, these labels or these differences mean to you, especially that you're working in the kitchen, working with different cultures?
1: I think it's insanely important. Um, it's, it's very important. Even if I, you know, again, I... Um, Listening and learning, I think, is the most important thing, again, to to know about these things. so uh, And just doing my best to accommodate. It's not just an accommodate. Accommodate's a terrible word, sorry. To include. I think to include and to celebrate all the different uh, cuisines and needs. It's not just about, because if you think about it, you know, we have, um, again, all these different cultures, all these different um, religious dietary needs or religious dietary uh, preferences. And then, of course... We have things like celiac and other vegans—vegans um, vegans for health and vegans for um, for personal choices—and all every single one of those is 100% valid. It needs to be uh, supported and celebrated. And so, I find it's fun to step back, look at our food, and say, "How can I make something that can encompass and be open for more people?" I I want to see whatever I can do so. Try to get everyone to be able to have as many options as they can, um, and I think it's really important to to listen again, <laughs> you know, and, and to um, find out what they like and find out um, how to make it in a respectful and proper way. Um, I was trained in Portland, California, in Paris, and so you know, my cuisine background is Western cuisine. And so being able to learn more about it, I worked for a chef that was from Israel. And so I was able to learn how to make some really good shakshuka, but I want to learn everything. I want to learn how, when I hear a lot of my students talk about their passion for their food or what they're really missing, what they, I want to make that for them because I want them to have that, that safe comfort here. Uh, so I think it's really, everyone's important. Um, I hope that doesn't sound like a cheap answer, but it's true. I mean, it's so it's important, um, and I do what I can. It's hard sometimes getting stuff out here in Eastern Washington. Uh, coming from the Bay Area, I can get anything and everything. It was great coming out here. It's a little harder because we're in the middle of um, you know Walla Walla is a beautiful but small town, and our uh, most of our distribution comes from. Uh, comes from eastern Washington over in Spokane so a lot of times it's hard getting everything that I want or need for my students but um you know it doesn't mean I'm going to stop fighting for it so right now if I have to have something get shipped from Seattle to Spokane and then to us um I'm going to make it happen anything I can do to to, to try to include you know but I think it's insanely important um so hopefully, if anyone feels like they're being left out, I hope they don't feel shy this, to come up and talk to me. They can yik-yak it. It's all good. I mean, I just want to make sure everyone feels heard. And
0: how about including us in your uh, musical taste, and what would you recommend for music to
1: play after this interview and uh, for people to hear? Gosh, you know, I get, I get ragged on for my music a lot. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, I grew up... My brother listened to a lot of like, you know, alternative rock growing up, like nineties. So I'm really into like nineties revivalists because that's just my memories of growing up and being in kitchens. We're always listening to that. Um, I could tell you my favorite, like, I don't even want to say it's comfort music, but my favorite like background go-to kitchen music would be Joy Division because I think they're wonderful, uh, and it's, I grew up with them. You know, it's just great music. Um, I don't know why my kids, two and four, love the Smash of Pumpkins, and so. I grew up with them too, you know. They've, and so we listened to a lot of Smashing Pumpkins uh, at our house together. Just because for some reason my kids connected with that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, just, I love all '90s alternative rock. Joy Division, Smash Pumpkins. Those are my two right now. Next week it could be something else.
0: Well, then we'll play it after this interview on that episode. Thank you for
1: joining us today. Of course. Thank you so much. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you, chef.